Welcome to That's the Word, Wholesome Tales for the Whole Family. I'm Father James Yamauchi. Today's story, Desperation of the Downs Family. Arise! Edward Downs Jr., his mother dressed in black, and his siblings rose with the rest of the courtroom as the aged judge mounted the bench and took his seat. The young new head of the family, the newly widowed mother, and the newly fatherless Downs children took their seats with the rest of the court as the first cases were called. Since there was an Edward Downs Jr., there had once been an Edward Downs Sr. Edward's father was a respectable businessman in the town, and the Downses were a respectable family. However, Mr. Downs was hit hard by the downturn nine years ago. For a time, it looked like he would regain his former wealth. But we know neither the day nor the hour. And when Mr. Downs' hour came, his family was left with little money, 15 children, and quite a number of debts. Edward's siblings were what brought the Downs family to the courtroom that cold January morning. Without a source of income for the family, the town demanded proof that the children would be taken care of. Without such proof, the children would be separated from the family and sent to an orphanage. In due time, the Downs family case was called forward, and Edward, his mother, and her children stepped forward before the court. Though still in his early 20s, Edward presented to the court that he could run his father's business and provide for his mother and youngest siblings. The judge agreed. The youngest children could remain with the family. Now attention turned to the older children, the three teenage sons, Alfred, George, and Joseph. They were of the age for preparatory education or apprenticeships, but there was not enough money for either. They were also of the age that the town did not quite trust them to take care of themselves. The court therefore demanded that they each have a guardian, or else they would be taken to a public institution. A guardian for the two younger Downses would need to put up a bond of $2,500. The guardian for Alfred would need to put up $1,500. The judge made his ruling, setting a deadline for the future of the Downs boys. The Downs family left the courtroom for the cold winter day and got to work. As you can imagine, Finding someone to fork over a small fortune and take full responsibility for a fatherless teenager is not easy. In spite of their high society connections, not one person stepped forward to save one of the boys. However, the Downs family was on a mission. Their brother's futures were at stake. Between various relatives, they were able to gather the needed support and cash for the younger two brothers. As the day drew nearer, though, they still did not have the money or a guardian for Alfred. A chilly February morning saw the Downs family again in the courtroom and again called before the bench. The family presented the guardians and the bonds for the younger boys, and the judge accepted them. He then turned to Alfred. Is there anyone present, he wheezed, to enter into a guardianship? For Alfred Downs. Yes, I am. The gallery turned to look at the slight, black-robed man striding confidently down the aisle to the bench. 
It was the young parish priest. Hearing of Alfred Down's plight, he had come to save the family from dissolution. While he didn't have $1,500, he had convinced the retired grocer to financially back the guardianship. The judge trusted the young priest's reputation and agreed to the arrangement. Once dismissed and profusely thanking Alfred's new legal guardian, the Downs family returned home together. The young priest, on the other hand, had a meeting to get to, so he headed back to the parish church passing through the snow-covered sidewalks. As he walked, he thought about the Downs family. They were in a rough spot, but their situation was not unique. The young priest had far too many parishioners who were widows and orphans, left penniless after the death of the father. He knew, too, that there would be many more widows and orphans to come. The men needed a way to support them beyond the grave, someone who would care for their dear ones when the man no longer could. The young priest aimed to change that. This was, in fact, the object of his meeting that February evening. He had put out a call to his parish, asking for those interested in a society for the support of these widows and orphans to meet in the basement that evening. In that parish basement, those parishioners formed a small society dedicated to this charity. These members, bound together in fraternity, would support the family of a member when his hour came. Their widows and orphans would not be left to be picked apart by the courts. Their families would stay together through the rough times. It's doubtful that any of the members present that evening, not even the young priest, could see this society's future. They would probably not have believed that this small charity group would eventually serve in two world wars, battle the KKK, add the words under God to the Pledge of Allegiance, institute a national holiday, and surpass $100 billion of life insurance in force. Thus is the legacy of a young parish priest at St. Mary's Church in New Haven, Connecticut, a priest whose name is Blessed Michael J. McGivney, who founded the Small Men's Society known as the Knights of Columbus. And for this week, that's the word. Father McGivney, now we can call him Blessed McGivney because of his beatification that happened at the end of October. October 31st, actually, All Hallows' Eve. October 31st, 2020. That's right. That's right. Credit's due to parish priest. I don't have the book with me, so I don't have the author list right here. But they did a very good job. I know it was two authors who did that book. That book starts off with the story about the Downs family. And it's very interesting because most Catholics are very familiar with the Knights of Columbus in the sense that they know they're at the parish, they know they do a lot of good works, that they cook really great food. But but I wonder how many of the average Catholics really understand uh, kind of at the heart of what the mission of the Knights of Columbus are all about. You have all these great activities, but but fundamentally, that role in being able to ca take care of widows and orphans uh, was a big need, especially in the late 19th century, the way society was uh, was just set up at that time. 